0: The uh, message tonight is going to be a little bit different, I think, as, at least from the start of it. Thank you, Missy. Thank you, Brother Robbie. Thank you, Brianna. Um, She's, I think, going down to interpret. All right. Um, but uh, it's it's interesting that here in the First Thessalonians, as you see here right off the bat as we start this this, this chapter, or as we come, close, come come to the end of this chapter, you'll see here that Paul is he's making an interesting statement here. He's as we said last week, he's making a case, trying to prove that we are here because we care, and the reason we're here is to get the gospel to you, and, and there's a purpose to us. There's a method to our madness, and <clears throat> he's saying if you have any questions, any doubts, look at our track record. We, we talked about that last week and have, and have hinted at it for the last several weeks. Here we are. It's only a five-chapter book. Second Thessalonians is only three-chapter book, so there's not a whole lot of content to the church of Thessalonica, but a lot of it is gospel-heavy, and end times heavy. And you'll see some references to that. But even as you read this passage, you'll see here that there is an assumptive and presumptive statement made by the Apostle Paul. And again, this is 2,000 years ago. Now, <clears throat> some of the stats I'm going to give you look, I, I know that sometimes these stats do sting and hurt a little bit because the audience of 2024 is much different than if I were to give it in 19. I mean, in 1924. The divorce rate in 1902 in the United States of America was 1%. And now it's much different obviously. And then there's those that would say the divorce rate is is not as bad as it used to be. Well that's because people aren't even getting married anymore, right? So that affects the divorce rate. But And and, and when I share these stats I'm never here to, obviously never to pour salt on people's wounds, but the fact of the matter is is we have to look at these stats and understand the significance of how they apply to our times here Um, and you'll see that here in this passage here because Paul makes what's called an assumptive and presumptive. Assumptive statement means it's something you take for granted. Paul, when he makes this statement here, he's assuming that we can all relate to this verse. And here's what he here's the statement he makes. That's interesting. Look at verse number eleven. It says, "As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you." Now, look at this next statement: "As a father doth his children." That's a statement that two thousand years ago, and even until nineteen hundred years ago, uh, or uh, through through up to the last hundred years or so, um, was was a very very common statement. There wasn't a whole lot of questions. uh, The father was a central figure point in in homes, not just in America, but globally, globally. Um, And then if you look at uh, from the presumptive angle, you think presumptive means to based on the likelihood of it. Paul's still saying based on the likelihood that we'll all be able to relate to this. This verse applies. But if you read this verse in 2024, isn't it amazing how this verse actually sounds almost foreign? Now, stay with me now, because we're going to end on a very positive note here. We all know, and I'm, I, I, went, I, I did the research, I studied this, the stats, and I I mean, I could give you all the stats, and of course stats vary, but we all know this consistently, that one of the problems, if not the major problem in America, is the absence of the fathers. And by the way, just because a father is in the home doesn't mean he's fathering like he should, right? But obviously his presence is still going to make a difference in not being there at all. But you'll see here that the Bible here says there's three things that the father's supposed to do. He's supposed to, he's supposed to exhort, comfort, and charge. Exhort, comfort, and charge. Uh, this is interesting. A, if you don't have a father in your home, if you, I'm sorry, if you do have a father in your home who's very involved in your life, you have an 80% less lack, likely chance to go to jail. 80%, that's amazing. And if you have a very engaging father in your home, there's a 75% less likely chance that you're going to experience teen pregnancy out of wedlock. So the role of the father is, is a big deal. And this is not an attack on people. It's, it's, it was one of the devil's plans. It was a tactic of Satan. And if you study Marxism and the Communist Manifesto and things like that, they even, which I believe, Communist Manifesto, Marxism, a lot of those ideologies, come from Satan himself. He, he used governments and, and, and smart men or wise men of the world. I say wise men of the world. Remember, by the way, the wisdom of man is foolishness compared to the wisdom of God, amen. The wisest man on this planet, the smartest man on the planet, they say is Elon Musk, and God laughs at his, at his mind, right? They say, they say he may be the smartest man. Albert Einstein, he's so brilliant, right? God made Albert Einstein. God made him, right? Having said that, though, we know that that is a big problem in society today. And so as you look at this passage here, as you look at this, Paul is saying here, he says, look, for you, you remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day because we would be chargeable, Unto any of you, we preach unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, but God also how holy and justly and unblameably we behave ourselves among you that believe, as ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged. So he's saying this; he's making a statement here. He says, "You know that we have done these three things to you: we have exhorted, comforted, and charged." All right. Then it says this. By the way, let me just make it as a, a simile, simile, metaphor, whatever you want to say, as a father doth his children. Just like a father does to his kids, we do the same thing to you. And so all the people are like, yeah, we get that. We understand that because the role of the father was like that. And by the way, I love that triune balance of the father. Because a father is supposed to do those three things. I mean, they are supposed to exhort, comfort, and charge. Exhort is something that I think of exhorting as almost coach-like. An exhortation sometimes is saying, come on, man, you can do better, right? Exhortation in the Bible it's not a negative thing or a bad thing it's like come on man as a coach sometimes you see a player that's not playing a good game I know you can do better I've seen you do better as a father sometimes you say to your kids I've often said to my children growing up when they take a test and they don't do as well my big question is did you do your best if they didn't do your best then they're in trouble but if they did their best and I'm not gonna fault them I'd rather them do their best to get a C than not do their best to get a B right doing their best is the key in something like that so that's exhortation comforting is very important too it's important to comfort our children it's important to comfort those that follow us. Uh, And Paul, again, is talking as a spiritual leader here, but he's making the application to the fathers. We're going somewhere with this, so stay with me now. And he's saying comfort. Comfort is an important thing. As fathers, as leaders, as spiritual leaders, there's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful principle in comforting people. As a pastor, I try to preach messages, sometimes exhort, but sometimes we need some comfort. We need to be encouraged. We need to be known that, hey, you're, hang in there. You know Everything's going to be okay. God's in control. He's coming back again someday. Thank God for the comforting angle. And then you see there the word charge. And charge is, 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 uh, is almost like a cheerleader terminology. It's almost like now. Now that we've exhorted and comforted, keep up the good work. Stay on track. Stay on their path. Don't give up. Don't, don't, don't get discouraged. Don't quit. Hang in there. Keep on fighting. And that's what a dad does. That's what a father does. So tonight I want us to look at this and how this applies to the local church. How does this apply to us as a local Gentile church in 2024? How does this apply to us? Number one, I want you to think about this, fathers, on what should be. On what should be. Let me ask you a question right now. As it stands in our country, let's just look at the United States. Are fathers what they biblically should be in America tonight, are they? Looking for a response. There's a few of you shaking your heads, no, no. And hence all the problems we have in society today. I, I believe the transgender issues, the homosexual issues, all the confusion, all, the, all of those things can be traced back to the absence of a father in a home. I was watching an interview recently with a 50-year-old man. 50 years old, you think that this man would have outgrown some of his struggles and issues, and he sat there and wept and cried because he did not understand why he never had a good relationship with his father. Even at 50 years old, it still affected him. That's the power of a good father. So let me just say this real quickly tonight. If you have a good father, everybody listen to me. Everybody, I hope you're not on your phones tonight. I really hope you're not on your phones. Come on, young people. Let's be better than that. I don't, I don't know why we're looking down. I don't think we should be on our phones tonight. If you have a good father who loves you and is engaged in your life and cares about you, you ought to hug his neck tonight and thank God for him. I'm going to say that again. If you have a good father who's engaged in your life and cares about you, you ought to thank God for your father. And by the way, sometimes we don't have those fatherly figures in our homes, but we have them in our churches. Thank God for churches where men step up and and, and fill that role and help out in those areas. And what a blessing that is to to be a part of that, to have a father that cares. And I'll tell you what, man, I had a good one. I had a really good one. He wasn't a Christian dad growing up. My, my dad was never a, a Christian type dad. We didn't really go to church faithfully, and he didn't teach us the Bible, but, man, he was a good dad. You talk about this triune balance. My father was that. He might have exhorted a lot more than he comforted at times, but that's just my opinion. He comforted, he exhorted in, in more, in comf, more than he comforted me and Brother Nick, but he comforted in, more and exhorted less my sister. I'll tell you that right now and she's, I think she's watching in the nursery when she's supposed to be watching babies right now, but that's the fact, right? And I thank God for that. That's what should be, all right? That's what should be. All right, so number two, look at this. Look at this. I want you to think about this. Let's look at what fathers are, what is. That's what should be. That's past tense. That's kind of, a, this is what again, Paul's assumptive. He's presumptive. He's saying this, this is a standard of fathers. When you think of father, they're supposed to Oh, yeah, that relates. We can all relate to that. We understand that. While many today in 2024 would read that verse and not be able to relate to that verse. Makes, does that make sense? That's what's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. So we look at today and what is? What is? Well, what is is simply this, all right? We as Christians today have an obligation and responsibility to teach them that as Paul is saying here, I love the balance here and what he's teaching here, as what Paul is saying in this passage here, he is saying, Look, because you don't have that what should be, and in your home or in your lifestyle you've not had that dad, that; it's going to lead to number three, and I love this, what can be, and that's where the Heavenly Father steps in. The Heavenly Father steps in. You see, the church of Thessalonica, just like all the other epistles, just like all the other Gentile churches, all the Gentile countries, all the Gentile congregations of that day, the structure of the home was still pretty consistent. Um... Traditionally and historically, we know that fathers typically stayed in their homes. The divorce rates in many of those countries were still lower for throughout, throughout history. It doesn't necessarily mean they were holy men, good men, clean men, pure men. The Bible even exposes uh, the lack of morality in some of the men in the Bible here, but the, the, the constant presence of the father. But here's, here's the encouraging thing tonight that we as a church get to tell society today, that in the absence of fathers, and if you have a good father, the supplement of it, in other words, something better to even add to it, as much as I love my earthly dad, I have a heavenly father that's even better than him. As much as I love being a dad and being a father and having three daughters and a son, and I fail them miserably all the time, more than I want to admit, I'm thankful that I've been privileged to be their father, but I'm also more thankful that I can tell my children to look to a heavenly father that is perfect. You see, in these last days as we approach the rapture, People are craving and, and starving for attention. I, I really believe it, this kind of springboard from Sunday morning's message. We talked about the power of relationships. Stop right now tonight. Again, I want to emphasize this thought. Imagine your life tonight without a relationships. Imagine not having the relationships that you have in your life. Whether you're married or, or you're a parent or you're a son or your daughter or even friends. I told the teens uh, recently, I said... It's amazing how the the teens sometimes, they think that they're going to be best friends with this person in the youth group for the rest of their life. But the fact is, most people don't even talk to their high school friends very much once they get out in the world and they get married. and they, I mean, how many of you don't talk to your high school best friend as much as you thought you would, right? Most hands are going up. That's how it is. Life changes, things come up, and we move on. Relationships come and go. There's some relationships that are always there. There's some relationships that, that will never fail, you know, some relationships you can always count on. Some relationships you're just stuck with, right? I mean, parents are stuck with children, and children are stuck with their parents, right? And and, uh, there's a lot of relationships. I I like what someone said one time, you know, parents at least had a time without kids, and then the kids will eventually be without their parents. But siblings are stuck with each other for life, and you can't choose who your siblings are. And I've carried that burden of having a little brother and little sister for 40-plus years, and I love them, but it's my mission and job to continue to help them because they both have so many issues, right? But relationships is what it's all about, and people out there are craving for it. Every time I hear some new crazy thing that people are trying to do where, where somebody thinks they're a cat or someone thinks they're a dog, or some, they're screaming for attention. And I think to myself that if they had somebody who pointed them to a perfect Heavenly Father who's going to charge, comfort, and, exhort that, or exhort, comfort, and charge that person, that's the difference maker right there. We get to present a perfect father to this generation. And again, that goes back to what we said on Sunday morning, which is what Jesus is saying in John chapter 3. Ye must be born again. He uses the term of birth in that chapter I told my wife, boy, I get so excited when I preach from John chapter 3. I can never get tired of preaching from John chapter 3 because it is a relationship chapter. The emphasis is on relationships. God the Father says to His Son, hey, preach now. You're out in this world. Preach. What does He preach? You must be born again. It's a relationship thing. Everybody relates to the birthday. Everybody relates to having a birthday. All of us in this room have a physical birthday. But boy, thank God we got that spiritual birthday too. And what does that birthday do? It then allows us to have a relationship with a perfect Heavenly Father and it's amazing how the bible teaches us that he is a father to the fatherless they had fatherless back then many times the fatherless of those days was not probably because of some of the issues we face today but a father died young because of disease or he he died in war or he died uh, uh, usually diseases and sicknesses would take a father earlier in life than and the kids had to grow up with a father many times in the past and and, and all that stuff but even today right now God is saying he is can be a father to this fatherless society. He can be a father to all of us. And he is the father that everybody needs in this generation right now. In 2024, America's got to hear again uh, the, the importance, the emphasis of a relationship with God. Trying to get people to understand that you think you need a relationship with God. Well, let me, t- let me go a step further. God desires a relationship with you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to be, uh, have you in his family. He wants to be able to commune with you every single day. He wants to be able to, to hear your heartbeat and to speak to you and guide you and lead you. Wow! To comprehend that. I don't think we'll actually ever comprehend that. But to think on that, just to try to meditate and just be blown away by the fact that the creator of this universe wants a relationship with you and me. And yet so many times religion... Man-made religion has portrayed God as some distant old man that sits on the throne with a, with, a, with a staff, and all he wants to do is judge people and make people's lives miserable. It's so false. And we as Christians have the opportunity to show this world what a relationship with the Heavenly Father is like. And so Paul tells us how to do that here, and I'm not going to be much longer. Stay with me now. Look at verse number nine, uh, verse number nine again. For ye remember, brethren... So Paul is saying, I'm giving you something that you can remember. You remember this. Our labor and travail. For laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. He said, I'm going to be accountable to not having preached the gospel of God to you. Now notice, that in this particular passage here, he doesn't say the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says the gospel of God. Isn't that interesting? Because in the context here, he's still going to say the Father. He's going to use the Father as a statement here. So he preached you the gospel of God, the good news of God. How, what do you mean, Paul? God is going to make it possible for you to have a relationship with him through his son, which means Jesus then becomes your brother, so to speak, right? Watch this at verse number 10. Ye are witnesses, all right? So first he says you can remember this. Now you are witnesses and God also. God's witness. How? Holy, justly, and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. Paul teaches us here one key action message, one takeaway that will make a difference in you and me teaching this world how they can know and have a relationship with God. He teaches us in this passage here. Do you know what he's saying here? Do you know what he's actually screaming here? Do you know what he's testifying to in this passage here? He's saying, watch me. That's exactly what he's saying. When he says, you remember, you've watched me. When he says, uh, you are witnesses, you've watched me. The key today, the key today. By the way, what, how do you think they get these statistics about the fatherless homes versus the, home, the fathers in the homes? The stats are what? That's people watching you. They watch behavior and they see the behavior. And the behavior then falls into a stat category. Do you know people are watching you and me more than we realize? They're watching us on social media. They're watching us at work. They're watching us in our homes. They're watching us here at church. They're watching us in our families. They're watching us everywhere we go. People are watching us. We, You and I have an audience. So Paul is saying this tonight. I'll close with this. In the midst of all this chaos, which Paul at this time doesn't really have to, have the same problems with fathers and the absence thereof as we do today. But he said, in the midst of still chaos that he had and all the wickedness of the world, watch us. Watch us show you what a relationship with the Creator is like. And then join us. The joining comes after the watching. So tonight I would challenge you to think on that, to think on that. Tonight, may I challenge you and me to show this world what a relationship with a perfect father looks like as we journey through society today. Had your bite after close. Thank you for listening so well tonight.
1: hear the voice of love that's calling there's a chair that waits for you and a friend who understands everything you're going through but you keep standing at a distance In the shadow of your shame There's a light of hope that's shining Won't you come and take your place And bring it all to the table There's nothing he ain't seen before For all your sins Sorrow and your sadness, there's a savior, and he calls, bring it all to the table. He can see the weight you carry, and the fears that hold your heart. through the cross you've been forgiven, you're accepted as you are. So bring it all to the table, there's nothing he ain't seen before. For all your trials, all your worries, and your burdens, there's a Savior. Table and come on in, take your place. There's no one who's turned away. All you sinners and all you saints, come right in and find your grace. Come on in, take your place. There's no one who's turned away. All you sinners and all you saints, come right in and find your. it all to the table there's nothing he ain't seen before for all your sin all your sorrow and your sadness there's a savior and he calls bring it all to the table bring it all table we all start on the outside the outside looking in this is where gray. Nothing left to give Oh, the shape that we were in And just when all hope seemed lost Love opened the door for us He said, come to the table Come join the sinners have been redeemed, take your place beside the Savior, sit down and be set free, come to the table. Of misfits These liars and these thieves There's no one unwelcomed Here So that sin and shame That you brought with you You can leave it at the door And let mercy draw you near So come to the table Come join the sinner have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down and be set free. Come to the table. Come to the table. To the thief and to the doubter to the hero and the coward to the prisoner and the soldier to the young and to the older all who hunger all who thirst all the last and all the first all the paupers and the princes all who fail you've been forgiven all who dream and all who suffer all who loved and lost another all the chained and all the free ALL WHO FOLLOW, ALL WHO LEAD, ANYONE WHO'S BEEN LET DOWN, ALL THE LOST YOU HAVE BEEN FOUND, ALL WHO'VE BEEN LABELED RIGHT OR WRONG, TO ANYONE WHO HEARS THIS SONG. COME TO THE TABLE, COME JOIN THE SINNERS WHO HAVE BEEN REDEEMED, TAKE YOUR PLACE, Beside the Savior Sit down and be set free Sit down and be set free Come to the table Come to the table.